hey, we put up our 250th movie for the rewatchables, Descent of a Woman, but all 250 movies are available on all platforms. You should also check out youtube.com slash Bill Simmons. We put together like a 13 minute video of all the movies we've done with some clips from some rewatchables podcast. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Honda. Honda is committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. And the Prolog EV is their latest innovation in that journey. The Prologue is all the great things you expect from Honda in an EV. As an SUV, the Prologue comes with class-leading passenger space with intuitive features and clean, thoughtful design. The Prologue is more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can check out Off the Pike, our new Boston sports podcast hosted by Brian Barrett. Perfect timing with the Patriots and Celtics season going up. Kevin O'Connor popped on there today to talk about the Celtics. I have not been on that podcast yet. I, I will definitely be on that podcast within the next, uh, by the end of August. I'm just barreling in there and complaining about something or touting something. We're going to talk Celtics a little bit later, actually, with uh, with Chris Mannix. We talked about the Chet Holmgren injury, talked about the Lakers and the Beverly trade, and then uh, some boxing, too. That's, that's later. Coming up first, Peter Schrager playing a little game called Plant the Flag for the 2022 NFL season. Just what are your opinions? You got to triple down on them. And it's late August and it's time to talk football and it's time to have some real thoughts, some real intuitions. So I have some flags I'm ready to plant. Trigger did that as well. It is all next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, our friend Peter Schrager is here from the NFL Network and from Fox. He's going to be joining us on Million Dollar Picks this season. We're going to talk about a lot of different NFL storylines. I didn't tell you what I had planned today. I'm dropping it on you. Going in blind. I, I mean, I haven't seen you or your podcast been up in a month. I thought you were doing The Masked Singer for a while there, but uh, <laughs> it's nice to have you back in the flesh here. Uh, tell me, what are we doing? I'm excited. We're playing a game called Plant the Flag. Okay. I think there, I wrote down a whole bunch of 2022 NFL subplot slash debate slash questions that I feel like there's no middle ground. Okay. It's be on one side or the other. You can't, you can't hedge. You can't like dip your foot in the water. It's just, there's too many things where it's like, all right, where do you stand? It can't be both. You got to go one or the other. One of my favorite things in sports media right now is 
they could arguably, maybe, possibly be really good yeah, this year. None of that. I, no <laughs> arguably, possibly, maybes. We're not doing that. You at could all. make the argument. Don't be surprised if. Yeah, yeah right. we're not doing that. Okay. We're planting right. our flag. I'll Let's start off it. with an easy one for you. The Rams, a team that um, we spent a lot of time talking about on this podcast. You're flying coach with McVay. Rams Super Bowl hangover. Plant your flag. Believer, concern, or are they going to be as good as they were last year? You can't you can't do the maybe possibly thing. Concerned. Concerned. Me too. Is that a shocker? Knowing that I, you know, lie in bed and spoon with McVeigh all night. I, my only concern is that it was so difficult for them last year to do what they did and they did it. And like the thought of doing it all over again, I wonder if they realize that it's going to take all of that and more to do it. And I don't question the coaching staff and what they can do. And I'll tell you, Sean went on his honeymoon um, after they got married in June and read like 11 books. One of the books he read mm. uh, was Phil Jackson's uh, 11 Rings is what oh. it's called. And, and it was it was like the book club, like, and that one really sung to him. And he's like, came back with like, a whole, and their whole mantra right now is write a new chapter. And like, that's what everything, write a new chapter. But gosh, it's so hard. And to see them all do the 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 banquet circuit and to see them all, you know, get their kudos and then Whitworth leaves and Aaron Donald's thinking about leaving and Stafford was And McVay's you know, thinking uh, about leaving. McVay, I, I just I I have picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl three of the last four years. I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season last year. Like I feel good and I can pat myself on the back. I am telling you as as much as I love them, and I am, and I, and I think they've got all the talent in the world there, and I think what they do is is first class. I don't know if I can plant my flag and say that I don't think there's at least a little bit of a concern of can you do it all over again? Because last year, what they did down the stretch was pretty miraculous with the injuries that they had to succumb. So offensive line's worse. Yep. We can say that. Running game, I don't feel awesome about. I don't think it's. You could say maybe it's a draw from last year. I don't think they improved it. It's hard to imagine Cup having the same season he had last year. One of the greatest receiving seasons in the history of the league. Like just running that back again, staying healthy, doing that for 20 games. A little far-fetched. Odell really brought them something extra. Now they're saying Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, completely different player than Odell. Um, who's the undrafted guy everybody's excited about? McClutchin. Yeah, so uh, could, could McClutchin do it? I don't know. Well, let's see if McClutchin makes the team. There's yeah, let's see if he makes the team. Uh, it, 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 not, that's not a sure thing. And, you know, I, I think he's been great and he's been leading the preseason and receiving yards, but he's an undrafted rookie at a Montana State. Let's slow down, you know? Yeah, and their schedule, like, you know, there, there's a couple stretches in that schedule. You go, huh? Now, on the bright side for the, and we forgot to mention Stafford, who now shoulder and elbow. So there's two parts of the arm that he throws football with that we're now concerned about. Um, on the flip side, the division's weaker. And we, Trey Lance, who we're going to plant our flag on Trey Lance in a little bit, but to make the case that NFC West is like just taking a free fall down and maybe it's just going to be way easier to win that division. I'm concerned. I have them as, I, I don't have this final as yet. We also, we forgot to mention the AFC West is one of the divisions they're playing this year. NFC NFC's, West and AFC West, yep. Um, so, I have them as a wild card team. And I think that's where I'm going to plant my flag. I don't feel myself wavering on that. But we'll get to the Trey Lance piece in a second, but I just think I it's going to be a harder year. I, I Maybe it's 11 and 6. I maybe think they win the division. Rocky. Okay. I think they win the division. And I'm, and I'm not saying that they can't win. I'm just saying 
the Super Bowl hangover, yeah, that's real. And it's just, it's a different team. And I, maybe Robinson, like, look, at the last drive of the season, after Odell goes down and they need, the go, uh, Stafford's under center and he looks to his right and it's Ben Skoralnik at wide receiver. It's Bryson Hopkins at tight end. It's a one-legged Vance Jefferson because he was playing hurt yeah. at the other wide receiver spot. And it was Cooper Cup. And it was like, all right, we're just going to have to win the game with wheel routes to Daryl Henderson and Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. They did it. It was amazing. Uh, it was an unbelievable win. It was a miraculous win. And yep. the you could very much argue that the Bucks win was a miraculous win after almost giving that one away. And then, of course, the Niners game. If Tart intercepts that pass, who knows? So, like, for me, I'm not saying that they can't do it. I'm just saying to write them in pen as, like, repeat champions, I'm not there yet. Me neither. All right, well, let, let's go to Trey Lance then really quick because this feels like a yes or no thing to me. The Niners, who I think just have a shitload of talent. You go through their team and and they have to have like a top four or five, top to bottom roster. They figured out the Debo situation. They were right there last year. So they get a little hunger chip under them. But the, the Lance thing is the big variable. Where are you planting your flag on Lance? I'm not planting a flag on Trey Lance this year. I don't know enough yet because as much as everyone sees a deep pass in preseason to Danny Gray and against the Packers, you're like, oh, 86 yards are good. And you'd like to think, oh, well, if Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are willing to get rid of Jimmy, they must be all in. I also hear dispatches from practice that he isn't accurate on some days and that the defense owned the offense on some days. What I will plant my flag in, they'll be in it to the end because of how good the rest of the team is. He just yep. doesn't have, he, he just, he, he can't be the reason they don't go. Like, in other words, don't mess it up for us. It's year one. I think they have very high hopes for him moving forward. But for the first year, he's the full-time starter. Rely on the run game. Rely on Trent Williams, the best offensive tackle in football. Let Bosa and Armstead lead the way on defense. Let Freddie Warner do his thing. Like They are, pound for pound, maybe the best roster in football. The question mark is that quarterback spot. And he can do it with his legs. We know he's got a big arm. I just wouldn't put too much on his shoulders. So I would say... I'll plant my flag that the Niners will be relevant and it will be a playoff team and all that, but I cannot plant my flag that like Trey Lance is going to be Mahomes in his first year as starter. I don't see that happening just yet. So we see it the same. I'm planting my flag on, they will figure out how to win with the things that he's good at and limit all the stuff that he's either inexperienced at or not good at yet. They will construct some sort of machine around him that he can't really hurt them and most of the stuff he does is additive. I do not think he's Mahomes. Yeah, I don't and, see a situation where like, like Trey Lance's and his MVP odds like went down on FanDuel. Like people were betting it. That's where I'm like, I'm out. That's not happening. But I think he could have games where, you know, they're just going to try to get him the lead, put him on the offensive, basically, where you're always in like third and three, third and four, and, and teams aren't going to know if he's going to run left, run right, quick passes, stuff like that. But it's not going to be Mahomes. It's just there's not. also there's also some other departures that are important. So obviously Kyle Shanahan's the head coach and he'll be working with him. But Mike McDaniel was very important mm. on that offense. He's in Miami now. They don't have an offensive coordinator by title, but their quarterbacks coach it's Brian Greasy, who was doing Monday Night Football last year. Wow, and ha has never called a game in his NFL career. Has never coached an NFL game. Had, and that was the hire. And now Shanahan had him and his father had him. And it was like, we we trust Brian to do this. But like, to me, first year quarterback, first year quarterback coach, there are other important guys on that offensive staff, whether it be Rich Scalandrello, who's back at Kentucky, or whether it be Wes Welker, who went to Miami. Like, there was a lot of changes on that offense. It just seems like it's a lot. And it's a lot on Kyle Shanahan's shoulders to say, okay, 
first year starter, all these new coaches go out and replicate what you did. Um, it'll take some time. I think they're going to be a lot better the second half of the season than they are the first half of the season. Well, and as great as Trent Williams is, the offensive line is worse than it was last year. So I think that's, it's not a real concern, but it's like not, there's not the same offensive line. So, um, I'm okay with them. I have them as a playoff team. Let's stay with the NFC West for the next plant your flag, even though he's now in the AFC West. Russell Wilson. Yeah. This is a great plant the flag. It mm -hmm. is, you're either buying that the last couple of years where everyone else's fault and Pete Carroll's fault and Russ is going to have the eye of the tiger on a new team. They're going to unleash him. And they, you know, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and he's got a couple of receivers, although they did lose Tim Patrick. Um, and it is going to be like when Manning went to Denver, like when, some quarterbacks have switched teams in that first year, and it's just like, oh my God. Brady plus Stafford. Drew, yeah, Brady. Plus, he's not Drew Locke. So yeah. I get all of that. I just think that the Wilson that we remember from the 14, 15 range is gone. And the reason I think that is because that's what the stats say. We've covered this a lot. Stephen Ruiz has been on this for uh, on the Ringer NFL show. When he doesn't scramble, he's not the same guy, and he doesn't scramble anymore uh, as he's gotten older. He just doesn't move around the same way. So what do you get? You get this 5'10 pocket passer who doesn't make teams worry about his legs on the side. I don't think those last two years were an aberration. I just think that's who he is as a quarterback now. And I think he's going to be a little disappointing for Denver. I think people are still thinking of him as this franchise awesome QB. And I just, I don't see it anymore with him. So I'm planting my flag on that. I'm looking around my Brooklyn apartment, looking under all the Williams-Sonoma stuff we got for our wedding. Uh, I'm looking for a flag. I'm in. I'm in on Wilson. I think this guy is lifting them up already. And You're I, in. Okay. I'm so in. We, we, I'm we disagree. The, okay. Planting the damn flag. I think Russ is going to be great this year. And Nathaniel Hackett is the new head coach. This guy is brimming with energy. and He's the anti-Vic Fangio, who's a great defensive coach but is of a different generation and a different ilk. This guy just is like Pete Carroll reincarnated, but it's youthful energy, exuberance, all this stuff. In comes Russ. Russ has been unbelievable this summer as far as getting with the young guys, setting the example early in, last one out, the whole thing. And I think that market, Denver, is a football town. And they have been devoid of football since 2016 when Peyton left. They are a, a fine NBA and they won the Stanley Cup. And you can talk about the Rockies, but like when the Broncos are are, are working, that, that is a football town. And I feel like they're ready. Like it is a, it is a, it is a boiling pot right now. And Russ is going to get them there. I, I feel really confident that Russell not only is going to have the Broncos playing relevant football, I think he's going to be in the MVP conversation. I'm that high on them. See, this is why this is a great plant the flag topic. So I see that world. If you're telling me all of a sudden Russ from five years ago is back, I'm there. But then my question is, what happened in the last two years? Why didn't he play that way? So the way you're, you're saying he's going to play in Denver, he just chose not to play that way in Seattle no, the last two I, years? I, no, he had, he had really good weapons in Seattle, but I don't yeah, think those... He did. And last year, he basically picked the offensive coordinator. He said he wanted Shane Waldron. I get all that stuff. I think they come here and it's just fresh blood. It's new. And I feel like that is exactly what everyone needed in that situation, including the Seattle side. I feel like that 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 thing had been done. And it wasn't just Russell. Bobby Wagner's no longer there. KJ Wright's no longer there. They, they're turning the page in Seattle. And I think they were in this weird transition phase. Denver's been building for four years and has been adding guys, you know, like Sertan last year and like Cortland Sutton. And you can name all the running backs you want. And 
I think their offensive line is solid. I think Denver has a really good roster and was a quarterback away, and they got one of the top quarterbacks in the league this offseason. So I, I feel good. I feel like he comes right out of the gates, and it's like, oh, shit, the Broncos are back. They're relevant. All right, so that was my next point, the flag. If you had to pick a division with three playoff teams, who are you taking? I think AFC West. I think they're the, the best by far right now. And I might say they could do all four with the new format with seven teams. You can mm. get a division winner and three wild cards. Like, I, 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 we can go through all the teams in that division, but I think Denver's legit. I think KC's legit. And I think the Chargers and Raiders both can win nine games, even with the division opponents. I think that division is that loaded. I would, I would go with that division. So the other candidate is the AFC North. Which yeah. leads me to the next point, the flag. Okay. I, I'm i more in on Cincy this year than last year. And by the way, I wasn't on because they cost, you were there for million-dollar picks. We we were up 21 to 3 we, at the we AFC Championship. We had a thousand What about the Tennessee game? Cincinnati sacks murdered us until the Super Bowl. We were finally able to get it back. <laughs> but um, I think more tight, you know, there's always that you lose the Super Bowl, you go backwards. Like that's a, a recurring thing. I, I actually don't feel that way with Cincinnati. I think they're loaded. Burrow will be two years after the uh, the knee surgery. Um, I'm just all in on this team. I think that experience is valuable for them. People say like Buffalo has the best top to bottom roster in the league. And man, you go like, go look at like the 12 best players on every roster. Since he's top 12, is better than Buffalo's top 12. You could argue Buffalo's deeper. Um, I'm just in on Cincy. So I guess the question would be then, well, we'll start with Cincy, but the question for me, if you get three teams out of that division, then you have to talk yourself into Pittsburgh, which we'll do later. But are you are you in or out on Cincy? I'm in on Cincinnati. And and we talked about it on Good Morning Football this morning too. Like now, can they handle being the hunted? Because last year their schedule was cake. This year it's going to be a lot harder. The Super Bowl champion, their AFC champion. And you know, last year, Joe Burrow was still coming off an ACL that first half of the season, and they clicked in the second half. Um, I got a text from somebody who's been at the joint practices, neither on either coaching staff, but someone neutral at the Rams-Bengals joint practice this week. And they're like, Jamar Chase is absolutely amazing. And like what yeah. he did last year, he's been in the lab working this whole offseason. You add him with Higgins and with Boyd, the window might not be that big for them because the Bengals are going to have to pay these guys eventually. All of them are going to want to get paid. This is the year. You've got everyone coming back. They added on the offensive line, Lyle Collins and Karras and the, and the kid from Alex Kappa from Tampa. And like I, I feel like they're going to be back. And, and they're, they're not one of these teams that got lucky and got, you know, they went and they beat KC twice. They beat the Ravens twice. Like they... They did it last year and they won in tough situations. And quite frankly, I don't think Burrow is one of these quarterbacks that like reads the headlines and is like, oh, I'm too famous to, to suddenly, you know, be, be putting the work in. I, I think Cincinnati is going to be tough, tough to beat this year. Well, you said the schedule's tougher. I don't know. I mean, it, it should be tougher five, on paper. Five road games against playoff teams. And that doesn't I get include it. in AFC New Orleans, which is a different deal. Uh, you know, Ian Book isn't playing quarterback for them this year. AFC East, NFC South are their two divisions. It's fair. I'm okay with the AFC East, especially like, uh, I, I don't know what people are thinking with this uh, Jet stuff, but you go first four weeks, Pittsburgh at Dallas. Re Dallas is really now, we'll get to them in a little bit. At the Jets, home Miami. They have the at Baltimore, at New Orleans combo. Atlanta, at Cleveland, no Deshaun. So they get them at yeah. least once early. Um, 
Carolina home. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I wasn't that scared by the schedule. And I also think like they learned some stuff from last year, right? Like Higgins is a legitimate, he's a number really, one. really high end number two. Yeah. Who would be a number one on half the teams in the league. He's a beast. I, I, I didn't, you know, I went to the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl and I'm, and, you know, I'm there at warmups. Higgins is like 6'4 and right. is just an absolute monster. And then Chase is so electric. Those two guys with Burrow, if they're healthy, like they're very hard to beat. Well, and then Mixon, who awesome. I think was probably one of the five best running backs last season. And it seemed like the more they used him, the better they were. They made their offensive line better, as you said. Um, I'm just all in on them. So I guess the question would be Pittsburgh, but we can... Uh, we can't. I don't. E- I don't even know how you plant your flag on that. It's like, well, what about can Baltimore? you plant your flag on Kenny Pickett? Well, Baltimore. I'm, I'm. We we're gonna do that later. But Pittsburgh. Could that be a Jimmy G team or no? I'm not gonna say no, but I, I know that they feel pretty good about the room right now. As much as it seems like they have two quarterbacks, which means you have none. Like Trubisky's been great in camp, and Pickett's been outstanding. So. Trubisky's been great in camp or confident. Trubisky is their guy right now. And I, you know, I, this, when Pickett is announced as the starter, I'll regret saying this, but like, I know that Trubisky has played very well in camp this summer. And I think that he's going to be the week one starter and they're happy with him. And Pickett's been exceeded expectations. So I don't know if you want to add Jimmy G in, you know, late August or early September into the mix. Cause we agree San Francisco is going to wave Jimmy G. I think so. Cap wise. They'll have very- to. Very similar to the Cam Mac Jones thing last year, where it's just, why would you have the old guy hanging around? You you need to start fresh with the new younger guy, and it's his team. And, and that's like it. and like Jimmy hasn't. I I don't I don't know how much I can reveal. Like he hasn't really been in the the meeting rooms. He hasn't really been like. It's not like he's he hasn't anything wrong, but he, it's right. been totally Trey Lance's team. Like to even have Jimmy around right now is almost like an impediment. In it's like a lame season. duck almost. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, no so if it. it's not Pittsburgh, where does he go? Like you could say know. New Orleans. You could say Miami if Tua just shits the bed completely. But I, there's not a lot of options. For I don't know. Giants, Honestly, maybe. I, I don't know. I, you know, like I, I don't have a team for Jimmy Garoppolo right now, and I don't think as much as Seattle seems like like that's a need. They seem like they're pretty dug in on their two guys. Every quote out of Pete Carroll, it's like yeah. you think that that they're going to Canton, uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke, The way he talks about him, I haven't seen it, but that, I don't have a team for Jimmy G. I was thinking, you know, all along I thought Mayfield to Carolina made sense, and if yeah. not that, Jimmy G. But I, I don't have a place for Garoppolo at the moment. We're gonna take a break and talk about the Chiefs. Hey, NFL kickoff still a few weeks away, but you can get it on the action right now on FanDuel Sportsbook with their NFL Super Win Bonus. Right now, anyone who places at least a $50 Super Bowl winner bet will get $5 back for each win your team has during the regular season. If you stay tuned in this next segment, I'm going to make the case for the Kansas City Chiefs for this exact bet right here. I think they're 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, but... Uh, that is the team I am planting my flag on. I'm going to make the case in one second. There's also a ton of other futures markets available, team win totals, division winners, player props, worst record. We're going to talk about that in a second and so much more. No better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel America's number one sportsbook and official sports betting part in the NFL. I have my special huge preseason boost of the year that I'm going to do next week. We're going to unveil either on the Tuesday or the Thursday podcast. Um, a prop that I am very excited about. If you haven't tried FanDuel Sportsbook yet, download the app and sign up using promo code BS to get $5 for every win your team has if you bet at least $50 on them to win the Super Bowl. Once again, that is promo code BS. 
You must be 21 plus and president in select states only. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $50. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Connecticut, 888-789-777. In Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER. In Michigan, 800-270-7117. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Tennessee red line is 800-889-9789. And in West Virginia, 1800gambler.net. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, new segment, starting with the Chiefs. That is my number one ride or die plant my flag team. I think with the Chiefs, you either have to say they're going to be better or they're going to be worse, but you can't say they're the same because they're not because Tyreek Hill is no longer on the team and they're shifting what they want to do offensively, at least a little bit. I think from by all counts, they got pretty spooked by how defenses were just playing them last year and just kind of daring them to run the ball and they weren't really equipped to run the ball that Hill couldn't really block, Kelsey can't really block, and they just... Cincinnati and a couple other teams definitely stumbled on some sort of recipe that they have now fixed. I am planting my flag on the Casey will be better real estate. I, I said this on Tuesday's pod, the offensive line, which basically it's the first full year together, but for the most part, they're together. They invested heavily in it. They struck oil with their center that they drafted and they've just... Creed. They either have the best offensive line in the league or the second best offensive line. And for me... Mahomes plus time is the scariest thing in the league. And I don't really care who his receivers are because if if I, if he has three to five to seven seconds to throw every play, guys are going to get open and he's going to find them. And there's also a little bit of that whole just incredibly embarrassing playoff loss. Mm-hmm. There's some Burrow Herbert buzz. Mm-hmm. There's Josh a little, Allen. The little Josh Allen. There's a little bit of the Rocky Four running around on the mountain trying to see how high you can go with the parka on to the Mahomes season. I'm all in. I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl and that's my team. This this is this is the stuff that Kansas City Chiefs fans have been looking for because Bill, I'm in the same boat and oh, I'm no. planting my flag. Did, and we, I almost, did, we never talked about this. We did not We're talk, aligned I, on this. I almost don't like the fact that you did all that spiel because that would have been my spiel and I'll go even further with it. Like Mahomes is a different cat and I, I've gotten to know him a little bit. And this off season, I spent some time in Kansas city and like whatever this guy watches everything. And when I say watches everything, I mean, he watches what people say. He watches how teams are reacting, how other teams are responding, but he's taking notes on all of this. And there have been analysts out there who have said that the chiefs are going to be the fourth place team in the AFC West. There are right. others who have crowned Josh Allen as already, you know, the top player in the league. And like, 
Mahomes has been sitting back there and waiting and and watching. And this room of wide receivers is not Tyreek Hill. It is a variety of guys. And Juju, prior to the injury, he'll be fine, has looked amazing as a number one guy. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who... Quite frankly, Rodgers lost trust in because he wasn't running the right routes at times. He mm. wasn't always there. Like Mahomes, different type of person in the huddle. I think that's going to work. Sky Moore, the rookie, excellent so far. Justin Watson out of the University of Pennsylvania, who came from Fantasy sleeper. Justin Watson, who wears number 84, has been a beast in practice. And then you add all the different big men at tight end with Kelsey and Fortson and, and Noah Gray. Like, there are weapons and Pacheco, number 10, the new running back from Rutgers, like awesome. This is the type of team that everyone's going to discount and say, well, is this the year they fall off a cliff? And like Mahomes isn't going to let it happen. And I, I, I trust Mahomes and Andy Reid and maybe I trust them to a fault, but all the reasons you said, and they might have the best young defenders in, in Nick Bolton at number 54, who's right there playing the linebacker spot, their second round pick last year. And they believe that they've got, you know, in Legereus Sneed and 32, the safety, they've got a great young defensive backfield. You know, everyone's rea reaction was, how could you not sign the Honey Badger? And I, there's a reason they don't re-sign the Honey Badger. They think how about that they've got... Frank Clark comeback year? Frank Clark comeback year. Chris Jones. Little Chris Jones playing back. in the like, right spot for the whole season? I'm telling you, like, they are, they are very bullish on themselves in that building, but not in a boastful way, but just that, like, yeah. You guys talk about Tyreek all you want, and good luck to Tyreek. But all that stuff, they've been stacking the chips, and I feel like they're you've seen it in the preseason games. They're lights out, and I know it's just preseason, but Mahomes doesn't have to play in these games. I think there's a bit of him and Andy wanting to show the world, like, all right, all right, doubt us. You should doubt us. Go for it. And, I, and I'm not going to be one of those people to do that. Who's had the most wins the last nine years? Chiefs. 103. The Pats had 103. Mm. Obviously, Brady responsible to a lot of them. Seattle, 94. Green Bay, 92. Pittsburgh, 91. New Orleans, 90. Those are the only teams that have averaged 10 wins for the last nine years. KC, the Tyreek thing, I think threw people off. Kyle, turn the TikTok camera on. Not the real camera. Turn the little TikTok camera on. TikTok. Um, I think there's a lot of Curry 2022 Warriors Ooh. parallels here. Talk about Where it. it's like... In a way, this team makes more sense for Mahomes the same way that 22 Warriors just building it around him and just all these guys who know how to play with him. I love Tyreek Hill for the Chiefs. I respected him. I feared him. I thought he was one of the most incredible deep threats. He terrified teams. He tilted the field. He won games. But he he, he won, won games. Handily, he won games. The Chargers he Thursday night games. game, he won that game. I'm also a results guy. You know, he played three playoff games last year, 285 yards, three touchdowns. He, in the regular season, 1,239 yards, nine touchdowns. You can replace 80 to 90% of those stats. I, If I'm the Chiefs, I would much rather have the money on the offensive line and protect Mahomes and give him time, and I can find receivers. There's We're in like the receiver boom of all time right now. Can find receivers and running backs all over the place. And I think that's... I I, I just like how they tilted the structure how now they're going to run the ball more, which is going to make it a little easier for Mahomes to find seams downfield versus the way it was before. And I'm in. I think this the, is the best team. 
the communication lines in that building are wide open. So anyone can walk into anyone's office and it's a very open place. And I will tell you that Patrick Mahomes was not shocked when they traded Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes was not finding it out from a tweet. Patrick Mahomes was not finding it out from a bottom line ticker. So I assume there were conversations had and like, hey, here's our plan. Just so you know, this is what we're doing. And I'm sure Mahomes is like, Gosh, that sucks. Like, yeah, Tyreek's we'll be fi- my guy. Yeah, but we'll but be o- fine. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll be okay. Like we'll figure it out. And right, they they may regret trading him, but to get all those first round picks to add, I mean, you got to. We talked about Nick Bolton. This Carlaftis, this rookie who's, you know, he, he he was playing water polo in Greece less than a decade ago. He's a first round pick out of Purdue. He's been amazing this training camp. He's a rookie, and he's well, that's another a- that's another thing for the case with them. Like you have that one good draft heading into the next season on top of the talent. They, it seems like they crushed the draft. They crushed the draft every year. And Brett Veach runs one of the best front offices. Yeah. And it's like you add Karlaftis, you add McDuffie, the, 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 the corner that they got out of Washington. They've got players. Pacheco's going to play a role. Sky Moore's going to play a role. And my whole point is like, this, this is not one of those deals where Mahomes is going to feel like his hand is tied behind his back. It, they love Tyreek, and to a man, everyone in that building wishes nothing but the best for him. But yeah. he wanted $30 million. They weren't going to be paying him that. And he turns 30 soon. They weren't going to, you know... And you he, could argue they, they're cutting their losses at the absolute perfect time. Is Tyreek Hill going to be better this year? I don't know. I would imagine... Yeah. I, it's, it's a long shot to say he's going to put up better numbers and be, a, and be a better player with the Miami Dolphins than he was with the Chiefs. Okay. We're aligned. They are 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl on FanDuel. They are plus 650 to be the number one seed in the AFC, which I thought was a fun bet. And they are plus 155 to win the division, which I think the ads have maybe dropped. Maybe that's like plus 150 now. But to me, it's them or the Chargers. And we might as well do the Chargers now. Everyone's in on the Chargers. Everyone's in. Does that does that scare you? Yes. Like, are you? Is your hand shaking as you plant yes. the flag? What do you do? What do you do with the Chargers? Colin Coward. Uh, I was watching his show. He has the Chargers as the third team out of thirty-two in the NFL. Uh, Chargers have made the playoffs once in the last nine years. I, Justin Herbert, for all his wonder and his greatness, like has not been to the playoffs yet. This is year three. They added players on defense. They have a very good team. But I'm going to wait and see. I'm not putting all my chips on the Chargers. And I'm not saying I don't believe in Staley or I'm not saying that I don't think that, uh, you know, that they can get it done in a big spot because Herbert hasn't done it before. Herbert can do it. He will do it. Herbert was amazing in that week 18 game against the Raiders. He threw 17 times in the final drive and got him to overtime. Herbert, not a problem. But that's a funky thing, man. And I don't I, to, to, to suddenly crown the Chargers before they can even get over the hump, just based on Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, a couple acquisitions. I'm not going there yet. I haven't seen it in the big spots yet, and they lose too many games in too many weird ways for me to suddenly right. say the bad juju's gone. And the coaching thing last year was a real issue for them. First of all, Staley's a defensive coach, and defensively they were getting torched for most of the season. Not a great sign. But then the end of the game stuff, the fourth and short stuff was alarming. I actually think that team probably cost themselves more success than any other team last year other than maybe Minnesota. Well, we celebrated that stuff early. Like they beat KC in KC and we were like, holy shit, I love yeah. this code. And then they and then they play the Chargers on a Thursday night game. They play the Chiefs on a Thursday night game late in the season. I remember we were on million dollar picks all in on the Chiefs for big. And yeah. the Chargers kept going for it on fourth and like yeah. weren't converting. And we were like, we're alive. Like they and then Mahomes will take care of it from there. Uh 
I've spoken to Brandon a bit this offseason. Like, he knows. He's a defensive coach, and what happened last year on defense was unacceptable. And that's part of the reason they went not only got J.C. Jackson, who's excellent, and Khalil Mack, who's finally healthy, but also this uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, the big man inside from the Rams, yep. who, not a huge name, played next to Aaron Donald, but is a really good player. Um, they believe that they've addressed it on paper, but I got to see it. I did a... Part of my, my over-preparation for this year was I tried to come up with a scoring system for who had the most talented rosters, which I'll reveal in a later podcast. Yes. Um, the Chargers were shockingly high. Like, if you're just talking about, like, good to great players, if you're only, like, only marking down those guys, they're in the mix for, like, I most mean, talented roster. Like, just in terms of being top-heavy, a little similar to the Rams last year. but And, I, Lin and like, Lindsley... Corey Lindsley is like the best center in football. And yeah. Rashawn Slater was really good at tackle. Like positions you wouldn't even think. They're like, oh, they're loaded there too. Asante Samuels yeah. kid. They, awesome. Yeah, they had they had two offensive linemen on my list. They had a uh, couple secondary guys. The the Mac thing, I mean, I he just by all we'll accounts see. the last couple of years wasn't there. I think it was a good flyer, but I, I do worry that people are penciling them in. All right. My plant the flag for them is uh, too much hype and it makes me nervous. I'm with you on that. I, I yeah. think they could easily win, go to the playoffs and get over the hump and we'll be like, all right, obviously look at their roster and they've got a good man as the head coach, but that's a loaded division and I don't, I don't see a ton of experience in that room that's like, hey, follow me. I'll take us over the hump. I've won those big games and I, quite frankly, I'm rooting for them. I think that fan base deserves it and I, I like all those players. They're like Eckler's awesome guy and Keenan Allen's cool as shit and Herbert is as great as it gets, but like, I got to see it first. A little bit easier schedule than KC, but whatever. Uh, next one. Next plant the flag. Going uh, back to the NFC. I'll make my, my case quick. Kyler and Cliff, I'm out. <laughs> I've taken my flag and I put it in the garage. I'm out. I don't think they're going to be good. The Hopkins not playing the first six games thing I think is alarming. Um, everything about the contract, the offseason, the way they lost in the playoffs last year. And I think it's just going to go badly this season for them. And I'm completely out. I do not have them. I was trying to figure out every year, obviously, there's five, six, seven teams from the previous playoffs that don't yeah, make it, it right? It's always between five and eight. I went back la the last couple of years. So last year, seven teams were new. And the year before, seven teams were new. Just since they did the seven teams. So you got, you really have to look hard. Like what five to seven teams are you just going to push out? Arizona to me and the Pats were two of the no-brainers of, I just don't think they get back. And if anything, I think you could even move the other direction and wonder, like, is should Cliff be considered a long shot for the first coach fired bet? Oh, could this on. go? It's got an extension. Go? I know, but I'm just saying, could, how bad could this go? I think actually, Cliff, you know, throughout the whole Kyler thing with the independent study, he never buried his quarterback. And Kyler, to a man, is like Cliff's not the issue. It, it, you know, that's that that it won't be a Cliff and Kyler thing between the two of them. It'll be whether the whole thing just blows up in their face because it just wasn't meant to be. But like. I'll say this, and here's some of the, the, the lines that you're getting out of Cardinals camp. Like, who? We're getting uh, lines out of Cardinal camp? Uh, something you hear out of these. Is it, the please media, don't look this way? The media availability, but like, Zach Ertz didn't have to come back. Like, J.J. Watt didn't have to come back. Uh, these guys, a lot of the veteran guys, Rodney J.J. Watt, what are they going to get? Seven games out of J.J. Watt? Come on. Well, we'll see. Like, that team's going to stink. I'm a not first saying, rounder for Hollywood Brown? I'm out. 
I think Hollywood's going to be good. <laughs> Are you planting your flag on the cards? It feels like there's... How about this? I'll plant my flag on the no, cards. No, don't do the arguably, questionably, maybe. I'm not. You, you got to go one way or the other. I don't think this is a combusted season. I think they can get back to the playoffs. In fact, I'll say it. The Cardinals are going back to the playoffs. Wow. Plant so the you, flag, baby. So you have three NFC West playoff teams. Yes. Okay. Completely disagree. Vegas. Hmm. Are you in or you're out? Talk about top-heavy rosters. Holy mackerel. I mean, their oh, offensive man. line is... Thank God the Bears are in the league for them. The, their <laughs> offensive like, line is either second or third worst. Um, couple great receivers. Great receivers and tight end. Um, one or two difference makers defensively, but overall, I'm not oh, doing backflips about the defense. I think Chandler Jones and Crosby are good Yeah, combo. there's two. They can get to the quarterback. You got two? Yeah. Uh, the defensive backfield's better than it eh, was. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm out. Dion. Some, Somebody's got to lose in that division. I think that's the safest bet. And also, like, the fact that, um, you know, they they last year made the playoffs, and I need teams that aren't going to make the playoffs after making it last year, and I think that's one of my logical picks. So I'm out. I'm planning the flag on no playoffs for the Vegas. Uh, my only thing would be this. They, 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 what Carr did last year with literally a special teams coach as an interim coach and scotch tape and mirror, like that was something special. Now you add Josh McDaniels and you add Patrick Graham and you add all these New England guys. Mike Lombardi's kid, Mick Lombardi, mm. is working the offense for the Raiders, which I love. Um, they brought also Deron Harmon, Jacob Johnson, Brandon Bolden. There's this like... All right, Patriots Southwest feel, which McDaniels has gone above and beyond to say, no, this isn't that, this isn't that. But like, there is this feeling of, all right, you take Derek Carr, who's been kind of out there in the in the hinterlands, and you put him around a bunch of winning coaches and a bunch of winning players, like, and then you add in Devontae Adams. It's a pretty darn good mix. Um, I believe four teams in the AFC West will make the playoffs. I think that they will make the playoffs as well. I'm going all four teams from the wow, AFC West. I'm out. Again, we disagree. I Here's the problem with the Raiders. They really whiffed on the last few drafts, not counting this year's draft. But, you know, they hit on Max Crosby. I guess you could say they hit on Jacobs. He, he's been okay. Nah, Whether you take, it's a running back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like, a first-round running back. I mean, yeah. that's always tough. But for the most part, like just a catastrophic first, second round, third but for who who ended up on the team now. And it's like, I learned this with the Patriots when Belichick whiffed on a couple drafts in a row and you're like, oh, we we only took four guys in 2016 and none of them are making a difference four years later. Like, that's when it adds up, that third yeah. and fourth year after the draft. And I just don't think their drafts were good enough. So, yeah, I mean, heavy, cl- but I don't see the depth. They had Cleland Farrell, who was a fourth overall pick on special teams on plays last year. Like, that's yeah. what you want. I, I go Leatherwood. Back- Leatherwood, we'll see, right? Like They, they we'll drafted see. dudes who never even played it down for them. What was that running back that they traded a... Lynn Bowden, they traded to Miami to right, Miami right before year. the first season. He never played, K- played a minute. Kentucky, Lynn Bowden. Uh, then obviously, then they, Henry Ruggs, like he's never playing again. Yeah. But that was another one. He's a first-round pick. He's 12th overall pick. They took him over CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a tough one. Uh, they got this kid, Zamir White, who's a running back out of Georgia, who's going to play a big role. I think he's very good. And I think Devontae Adams and... I go back to when the Giants traded away Odell Beckham and I was on TV being like, well, the Browns just got Odell and they've got this and the Brown and an NFL GM who I respect called me is like, 
Find me one example of a team that made a big trade for a wide receiver and it made any difference at the end of the season. And I'm like, well, mm. uh, that, uh, uh, and I can't think of one, you know, I really can't. So the, the Adams thing to me is a lot of that is, you know, well, him and Carling, but he's so damn good. Like he's so damn good. And I, well, think that, that, that's going to be put to the test this year with him and Tyreek, like two of the highest profile here's our example. trades at with, the same time with the money. Um, I like the Raiders. I don't love the Raiders. I think McDaniels is a really good offensive coach. And what Carr did with, you know, Gruden, who was maybe operating from a different playbook than what McDaniels is coming in with. And I think Carr's, you know, mentally capable of taking that Patriots offense and making it even better with what he's got out there. Kyle and I were ready to drive Josh McDaniels to the airport by the end. I know. I remember. I know. So the second and three fullback dives. And uh, yeah. I'm, I, I was good. Thanks for everything, Josh. I had a great time. Loved it. Really appreciate it. It was time to go. Um, plant your flag on the worst team in the league. Uh, what do you got for me? I got, I got the Houston Texans. Interesting. Okay, make the case. Just don't have. I, I just still don't think they've got all these draft picks. They're going to be good in the future. They're going to build. I just don't know if they have enough talent on that roster. And maybe this is a freezing cold take. And when they make the playoffs, I'll be the one having to defend this. But I just Davis Mills, the third round quarterback, who is very good last year. Is he ever going to develop into Trevor Lawrence or any of these guys like Mahomes or Allen? I don't know. They're, the ceiling on that. And then you go position by position. It's it's really rough. They have one of the four worst rosters in the league. There's no and, no way to fight it. You know, I, like, I like Lovey Smith, but... Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. It's a tough, tough conference. They might what have struck you? oil with the rookie running back, though. Pierce. Oh, I like Pierce. He's good. Yeah. They, He's th- good. I like that he just won the job after, like, week one. They're like, that <laughs> they didn't play. <laughs> week two, did not play. Uh, I have... Uh, so, on FanDuel, the Texans are plus 350. They're the favorites for worst record. Are I they? Understand. Okay. I didn't look at that. Yeah. I understand it. Atlanta was second, four to one. Seattle plus 750. I think there's some Seattle... Kind of sneaky. I think, could, I think could Seattle be might be nine and eight. Yeah, they, they hey, might be I okay. think Seattle might yeah, be. Yeah, there's a sneaky. Are. Could they grab the seventh playoff you. seed? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Uh, Jacksonville's nine to one. Jets nine to one. Carolina nine to one. Some sneaky Carolina case there. Carolina's well. Carolina's going to be better than that. They'll be a lot better than they were last year. The Bears, who started Ooh. out at ten to one, have been bet down to plus seven fifty, and I can't believe they're not one of the two favorites. The Bears are fucking abysmal. They are hopeless. What, they, what they're doing to <laughs> Kyle, fields, turn the camera on. <laughs> what they're doing to fields is an absolute travesty. Jason Goff has been ripping them to shreds on a full go pod. Uh, worst offensive line in the league. Uh, quarterback on his second offensive system regime. That whole thing. The talent's just nowhere to be seen, just anywhere. They have the worst skill position guys. It's either them or Houston for worst skill position guys in the league. And if Pierce is good, it actually might be Chicago with the worst skill position guys. I don't see it at all. I, I don't see how they get to three wins. So plus 750, that's like, there's actual value on that. So that's my yeah. Uh I, I don't have any great feeling for confidence in the Bears. I just think that they've got enough talent where they'll win some games, but you're right. I, I could see them at the bottom of that. But I, look, the Lions have been fun on hard knocks and they've got a lot of fight in them and they covered 11 times last year. And we saw about... 20 games that we were involved in where they either won or lost by a point at the end. Um, but if you're taking Lions versus Bears, is it a slam dunk that the Lions are losing to the Bears? I don't know if that's the case. Here's your big game. My birthday, September 25th. Let's go. Houston at Chicago. Week three. 
whoever loses that game, I think is in the worst record driver's seat. So you could, technically you could bet Chicago plus 750. And if you think Houston's the other team, just bet Houston and the points in that game and you're covered both ways and you could have some fun with that. Who did you and house have? Lions last year? And it was the second worst team? It was close. the right pick. It, it was. It came down to that Jared Goff, Minnesota, uh, just the a Vikings. complete disaster all over the place. Crazy. Uh, the other team and that I just don't know what we're getting. And I think there's a lot of optimism in my market for him. Like, I don't know what we're getting from the Giants this year. This could be like, there's a lot of holdovers from an old regime. They have zero dollars and they're, yeah. very, they're very injured. It's tough. I was this, in, but not, now I'm out. I was in as like sleeper potential, but that I just don't think they have enough talent. I just don't see Quarterback is tough. New coach who doesn't have anything, you know, he has, he inherited all this. So like, I, it, they still have Jones. They still have Saquon. Like, from what I hear, and again, fantasy football, do what you want. Like Saquon is going to be a beast this year, and that's great. Yep. But I've heard that for a lot of years. But the returns do sound good from Saquon this summer. Couple more quickies, and then we're going to go. Can you win a Super Bowl with Lamar this year? Yes or no? Plant your flag. Hmm. I'm planting my flag on no because I don't. I think their receivers are. They're not the worst receivers in the league, but probably top five worst. And I, I just don't think they have the weapons for him this year. I think but, the rest of the team's really good. I actually have them in the playoffs, but. At some point, you're going to need to score points, and I just don't think they have enough weapons. I don't know if you need wide receivers with that offense, and it might be for uh, you know fool's gold with what they do, but like they'll throw out Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely, the rookie tight end. They'll put them out there. They'll put two running backs back there, and they'll run with Ricard as the blocker, and they'll say, okay, we don't need to... Sc- I mean, Marquise Brown is a good receiver. He really is. He's a first-round pick, and everyone thought he was a first-round pick. They didn't know how to use him. Yeah. Because that's not their offense. So everyone's concerned about the receivers, including you. And that's fair because at some point, Lamar's going to have to make a big play. But Andrews is really good. And they've got guys out of the backfield who make big plays. And that's not their offense. It's a Greg Roman run the ball and get a lead and let's protect the lead and let's let Lamar do his thing. I'm not as concerned about the receiver thing. And I think Rashad Bateman could be pretty good. He's a first round pick. Like, that's the hope. That, um, well, Dave, he better be pretty good. He's the best receiver on the team. I know. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I also they're look tw- at their, they're twenty to one on FanDuel and Cincinnati's twenty two to one, and that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I, I think Cincinnati see, is a much safer bet to be a successful possible Super Bowl contender. I also I'd like to see how this contract thing handles yeah, itself. No before kidding. Week one, it's very peculiar, and I've been around all this stuff for years. This one might be one of the weirdest in that, as we've noted everywhere, like Lamar is representing himself. He wants guaranteed money, and the Deshaun Watson deal set Lamar's deal really off the rails because and no Kyler. one expected it. And Kyler, no one expected that. And now that's the standard, especially given what Deshaun Watson has off the field. Like, how the hell are they going to let them pay him all of that guaranteed? And I don't get that with my MVP and my playoffs every year. Like, And Bashadi came out at the owners' meetings and was like, gosh, like we did not expect that from Cleveland. And I think there's a lot of teams around the league saying, Cleveland, like, what the hell what did you just doing? do? Yeah, you screwed it up for everyone. Uh, and, and I don't know what, what what plays out before the season. And if it's still hanging over as we start the year, I, I don't know if that's a great thing or if that motivates Lamar. I don't know how he's wired in that kind of way, but it could have, you know, Joe Flacco said, I'll, r- I'll run the season out and let him to a Super Bowl title. Maybe that's Lamar too. I, I'm not saying I'm planting my flag. In the Twitter it. It doesn't work that way. I, I, I just, just feel like lot. when you have... And he responds on Twitter. Like yeah, he's he's I don't not like one it. of these guys. Like, um, I'm a huge Lamar fan. And I think he deserves everything he wants to have, you know, come to him. But I don't know if this team with all that youth on defense is Super Bowl this year. 
because there's a big injury luck argument with them that they had the worst injury luck last year that turns around all that stuff. I get it. Um, quickly, Tua, in or out? Where are you planting your flag? As you know, I'm out. I'm I out. Warren Sharp's all the way in. Warren Sharp's yeah. like, this is great. Look at his deep ball. I'm I'm out. There's a there's a large. I'm not saying Warren Sharp is playing to Twitter at all or playing to Dolphins fans. I will say there is a large fan base of people who are looking and seeking for Tua defenders and they will champion you. Like if you go on Good Morning Football and you say like, I'm actually in on Tua, you're going to get a lot of love from people online. Like there is a strong Tua nation out there. I need to see it first. Like I just, I, I don't know. I don't, he's, he's coming off injuries, you know, coming out of college and we're like, all right, let's give him a couple of years. And we, I, it, it's hard for me to plant my flag on Tua having not seen any evidence of it over the first couple of seasons where I'm like, yes, he's damn good. He belongs in the same conversation as those top guys. Multiple injuries. Doesn't seem like he can really move around that much. And from what we saw from them last year, they seem terrified to have him throw anything more than these short, quick stuff. And now they have built this team of racehorses around him. I'll say this. I'm just really dubious. If I had to bet one way or the other, I'm going to bet that it will not work out. Now, if it did and he was awesome this year, great. We get one more good quarterback, but I just, I don't see it. I think they're, I think they're going to be very competitive. And I think McDaniel, now here's my spiel on McDaniel. It's like he was with Matt Schaub in Houston when he had his best years of his career. He was with Robert Griffin when he had his best years with Cousins when he was coming out mm -hmm. with, with Washington. Then he was with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And then he was with Jimmy when he was in San Francisco. So like this guy is a quarterback coach. Like he's the guy in their ear and alongside Kyle Shanahan, it's gotten the best out of these players. Tua will get the maximum out of his own abilities learning from McDaniel. Like the greatest version of Tua we will see with this guy in his ear and coaching him. The question is, what's what the is maximum that? for Tua? Yeah, what I is that? Know. I don't know. Yeah. Last one. Which one of these bays are not going to make the playoffs? Because I think one of these three, and possibly two, but definitely one, will not mm -hmm. make the playoff. You can get Green Bay, Tampa Bay, or San Francisco that plays in the Bay. One of those three are going to miss the playoffs. Oof. Where would See you the, plant your flag? I'm going to say they're all making it, and I know that's not fair. I'm going to say they're all making it, but I just think the divisions, NFC South, I... If anything, the Saints might challenge Tampa. And then I think NFC North is a down year again. I don't see the Vikings knocking off the Packers just yet. So I know this is the easy God, way out. I'm, I'm creeping toward Minnesota. I know. NFC it's just North. the first year. I'm creeping first year, toward it. First year coach, first year GM. Well, cousins, last year's coach like, was in a coma. So I think they're going to be better <laughs> off. I think, it, does he have a pulse? And can he stand for four straight quarters? That's going to be a win. It is. They're totally down. They went there. from three to one. They were like basically plus 310 to win the North. And now it's plus 240 and the pack you know, on FanDuel and Packers are minus 155. So there's been legitimate I was down Minnesota action. The, By the way, Jefferson. Oh, they're awesome. Re they, recovered Adam Thielen. The Cook-Madison combo. Irv Smith Jr.'s back. He's back. Cousins has put up at least stats every year. There's like a legitimate case. They have good players on both sides of the ball. It's oh, I would uh, say it's an above average roster. Look, they're and, a very, very, very sexy Super Bowl pick because the NFC is so down this year and the NFC yeah. is so wide open. And you do with the math and you're like, great home field advantage, uh, new coach, new fresh optimism, great defense when healthy, got the receivers. Like, I get it. And they might, they might. I, I went from being down on the Packers at the start of camp to now maybe leaning towards Packers out of the NFC, just from what I'm hearing, not about dubs and not about uh, Justin Watson, but about the way the offense has operated. And it's, it's not going to be what it was. Obviously, Devontae Adams leaves, but 
hearing great things about, you know, how they're using Aaron Jones. And remember, they paid Aaron Jones a lot of money. Well, they're pushing how, the Jones-Dylan combo. Jones That's and been Dylan. The, the thing. And, oh, it's going to be defense, running yeah. game, and our hey. smart QB. I get hey. it. I know. Their receivers are bottom 10, at least. Minnesota is minus 110 to make the playoffs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I The Cousins thing, I, we talked about it on my Tuesday pod a little. Like, I just, the Cousins versus Dak, other than the fact that people just default toward not liking Kirk Cousins. They just don't yeah. like him. Yeah. The stats are the same. The performance is the same. The problem is we've all bet on him and he's all, and he's just kicked us in the nuts. All of us. It's, it's hard to shake. Let me give you a team before we wrap in the NFC that I cannot put my finger on. I don't know what to do with the New Orleans Saints this year. Yeah. Well, that's on the Ringer Gambling Show. That was their big bet. It was like the over-unders eight and a half, bet the over. Um, Look at them in the NFC South. That's around three to one. You're betting on Tampa with the offensive line falling apart. Brady's 45. Godwin, who knows when he comes back. There's just not the same kind of weapons offensively for them. A little bit old. They kind of stacked the team for the last two years. So there's cases. New coach. Um, but the, the, it's Winston and Andy Dalton. I know. I just, I know. Can't get around it. And then such a good, such a good defense. Some weirdness, like. Alave, very good rookie. Michael Thomas is going to be back. We don't know about Kamara. That's the weirdness, right? Like this guy. Kamara, Michael, how do we know Michael Thomas? I know. Everyone's penciling him and it's like, what happened to him last year? He didn't play. I saw him. <laughs> well, he had an injury, and he didn't I get, get it. it. He didn't get it taken care of in the off season, and he shows up week one, and they're like, he's like, "I'm still injured." They're like, Sean Payton's like, "All right, you're still injured. Like, can't play. Like, it was a disaster. He hasn't played in two years." Um, well, don't forget I, the other piece of this, and people like gloss over this. Like, it's like be turned into a yeah, but the Sean Payton to Dennis Allen, and it's like, well, Dennis Allen, he was there. He, no, was, he was, you know, he was their defensive deal. coach. Sean is like, I, and I'm working with him on Fox and we had a weekend together recently. Like this guy, he, uh, how do you want to put it? Different, he's he's a, your, one of the four best coaches in the league. All right. What do you think? For, what was Dennis Allen's lifetime record as a head coach? Oh, what do you think Raiders, it was? Uh, probably sub 400. What? Eight and 28. Damn. 22%. Damn. 22% winning percentage. And Damn. people are like, well, Dennis Allen, you know, he's been there. It's like, Dennis Allen was fucking awful. We were delighted to bet against him every week. But his and, defense has been really good with this team. And okay. they, they're, they're going to be the lead dogs. It's not going to be led by the right. offense. He was a horrible coach. My As thing with Peyton, it's forget the head coach. You know, the, Peyton was like a salty mother, you know what? And like, yeah. he like lived and breathed at New Orleans. And just being with him at this Fox thing, like, Sean Payton walks in a room and starts talking and you've got NFL legends left and right. And, you know, it's Charles Woodson and it's Michael Vick and you've got, you know, Mark Schlereth and, and like Sean Payton starts talking and all heads turn to hear his stories. Like that's a huge personality and a huge identity. Removing that from the room to your point is Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen going to be able to like be like, all right, we're going to go beat Tampa because that's what we do. We mother we we mother F Tampa. And that's like how Sean Payton operates. It's, it's I never the same after somebody it's, like that. I don't leaves. know. It's just it not. Is. It's not I the know. same. All right, Schrager. Good morning, football. How's it going with the new host? Oh, it's great. Jamie Erdahl and Jason McCourty. They have been yeah. awesome. We're 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 in our training camp right now, but like every week we're getting better. And I, I think our show is pretty damn good. Are you allowed to tell the McCourty story about Mac from a year ago or no? 
Uh, just that McCourty was rehabbing. I will tell it. I don't think he told it on air. I'll tell it right now. Really quickly for you Patriots fans who are down in the dumps and crying. Here's a good story. Well, the uh, Taekwon Thornton injury did not I know, go great. I know. It was really, I, really hurt my feelings. But you anyway, and I go were, ahead. We were talking MVP in June. I don't feel the I same know. way now. Tough. Um McCourty was rehabbing and Jason wasn't with the Patriots anymore, but he was rehabbing last off season up at somewhere in new England. And Mac Jones was there also. And every single day, Mac Jones was there and McCourty going down to play for the dolphins last year, came out of it long before they even started training camp. It was like, that guy's beating Cam Newton out for the job. That guy's a dog. That guy's got it. All this stuff. And like the Miami guys were like, really? Like Mac Jones? Like then he's like, Oh no, this guy's a different deal. Like this guy is. And, and, and sure enough, he had him as the number one seed 12 weeks into the season. I mean, there's a lot to like about Mac Jones. I just don't know if the rest of the situation is is good right now in New England. Kyle, did that story make you feel better or worse? You know, I'm I'm fine. I'm just going to keep pretending that none of this is happening. I'm just going to keep replaying that clip none of this. Uh, that I keep replying to on Twitter where Peter said on uh, Good Morning Football that we're the only people <laughs> in sports media who care about Mac Jones. So that's, okay. that's where I'm at. There Where's that flag? Can I hide under it? Uh, <laughs> All right, Peter Schrager, good to see you. We'll see you uh, when the season starts. You're the man. Can't wait for the mass Singer. You're going to be awesome. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Honda. Honda is committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. And the Prologue EV is their latest innovation in that journey. The Prologue is all the great things you expect from Honda in an EV. As an SUV, the Prologue comes with class-leading passenger space with intuitive features and clean, thoughtful design. The Prologue is more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, our old friend Chris Mannix is here from Sports Illustrated, The Zone, a whole bunch of places. OKC, every time I think the NBA is dead, at least until mid-September, something new happens. Chet Holmgren out for the year, gets hurt playing in Seattle, which I thought was one of the spookiest, weirdest pieces of NBA content in a while. Like Seattle, so excited to get the NBA back. OKC took their team. Chet goes playing in like a stupid pro-am game. Doesn't seem like the floor was responsible for the injury, but, you know, he's trying to block a LeBron shot. All of a sudden he's out. And he's out for the year with this lifts Frank injury, which I always thought was like four to six months. So conspiracy bills looking at this and, and wondering, did OKC look at this and think if this guy's out until like February, let's just scrap it. We'll just, you know, we'll get one more kind of tankier in bring him in as a full rookie. What was your read on how they handled this? Well, it, it did surprise me that we saw out for the year when we're still in August. Um, I, I thought they might leave it open-ended 
and say, you know, we'll update whenever and people can interpret how they want, how long that that foot injury usually lasts. And, and I, I don't think this team is capable of doing the kind of tanking that we're going to see San Antonio do. Um, Houston Utah. might do it again. I mean, there's just too many teams out there able to bottom out before OKC could even get into that mix. And, and if you remember, the, one of the reasons they were so bad last year was that they shut guys down. Like they, they shut Shea down. They shut Lou Dort down. They didn't play their best lineup most nights in the second half of the season. Like even without Chet, with Josh Giddy back and healthy, with Shea yep. and Dort and some of the guys, like they're not a playoff team, but they're probably like 10th or 11th. In the Western Conference, that's going to make you like sixth or seventh overall when it comes to drafting. So, I guess that you know that's surprising. But you know, knowing Sam Presti and knowing that organization, I just think they're playing the long game with him. And they'll say to Chet, "Look, this is the year we work on your body. You know, this is the year right. where." And you know, Bill, like in like January, the pictures are going to start to surface of Chet looking like, you know. A, Schwarzenegger, you know, in the upper body, like he's going to put on like 10 pounds of muscle in his upper body. People will be talking about him getting something out of this year. I, I do think, you know, if he winds up having like a really rapid recovery, is it possible the door gets opened up again in February or March? Maybe. But the way I saw it was this is a team that's going to just work on his body all year long that knows that missing a year is not a career killer. Ben Simmons did it. Blake Griffin did it. Joel Embiid did it. None of them are having any kind of long-term issues physically anyway as a result of it. Uh, I just think they'll use this as a redshirt year for Chet Holmgren and make him physically stronger going into year two. Well, you made the key point. This does kind of, it doesn't whip their hat into the ring, but it's a soft toss into the Wambanyama sweepstakes because right now in the West, I'm looking at the standings. The only ones we know for sure, don't care about this season, are San Antonio and probably, probably Utah. Because Utah still has good players. They still have Mitchell. You know, they still have all these weird veterans. And until, unless they start getting rid of some of those guys pretty soon, they got, they traded Beverly last night to the Lakers. Um, There's still a chance they could be competent. Um, or at least like, you know, 30 and 52, 32 and 50 type stuff. San Antonio, we know, is tossing it in. Portland seems like they want to be good. And then the only other one you would say is Houston, but Houston has some really good young talent at this point. And I think those guys are going to want to play and, and want to be whatever. So that, and then you look on the, uh, on the West side. I mean, I'm sorry, on the East side, really it's Indiana. We know they don't care. And we know they're probably going to do some sort of Turner healed separately or together trade. And then maybe Charlotte, if Bridges doesn't come back and Hayward has another injury, I could see them being terrible. But other than that, we don't have a lot of tanking teams this year. No, you're right. And all you have to do if you're Oklahoma City is get inside that top three to give yourself the the odds to do it. I, I just, I mean, can you really, I know Shea just signed that contract. But how many years can you tell him just wait one more year? Like how 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 many times can you do it? Like I think this is the year they have to try to be as competitive as possible. And that and with this group, like I watched Giddy at Summer League and I know it's Summer League, but he looked great. Like he looks like he's going to take a step this year. Agreed. Dort is an excellent defender. Shea 
I mean, offensively, he's really... I, I just don't see this team being as bad as three or four of the teams that materialize. I'm with you. Indiana's probably going to dump everybody, and San yep. Antonio might win five games. Like, I mean, that that's a team that could be biblically bad uh, this year. So I, I think Oklahoma City would really have to try to get into that bottom tier. And I just don't think they have another year of trying in them. They've tried two years in a row to be really bad. I'm not sure how many times yeah. you can go to that well with the players you have on the roster. Well, Philly did it how many years in a row there? Four? Yeah. Cost, cost Hanky his job at some point. And even, <laughs> look, it right. even said Jerry Colangelo riding, riding Hurd to the rescue to go trade for Ish Smith to make it a more competitive right. team out there. I just, like, I, I know that, not that Shea is, is, is bothered by what's been going on last couple of years, but this might be the year that bothers him. Like, I mean, Chet, as good as Chet, we've, as good as Chet might be, was going to be great this year. He was going to be a player that had some key moments, was part of the rotation. Um, I, I don't know that he would be, you know, a, a huge difference maker in his rookie season, not the way he's physically built. So if you're Oklahoma City, you've got to at least try early on to make a run at the play in. And if, if it turns out in March you're way off, then maybe you shut guys down. But early on, you've got to try to, to get in the mix. Or I'm going to flip that on you. Maybe this is the time right now for teams to start kicking the tires on Shea's availability. Because you think like all this stuff being offered for Mitchell, allegedly whatever, and in these teams, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Knicks, I don't know what to believe with the actual offers, but there's clear there's like a pretty major Mitchell market. Cavaliers are supposedly in it. Shea's a pretty good backup plan for that. He's still young. I, I think from a talent standpoint, as much as... uh. You know, I get Mitchell and he has more of a playoff record, but I, I just don't feel like Shea's that far behind him as an asset. I think they're they're pretty close. If I was doing my trade value listing, Shea's in the ballpark of Mitchell. And I, I do wonder, could a couple of those teams audible to him? They, they could. Now, I hadn't even thought of that, of them, of Shea being available. I mean, how many games would he have played for Oklahoma City since that trade? Like, I'm with you. At some point, he's got to be looking around going, dude, I'm not doing this again. Like, can I, can I be on a team that actually cares? And, you know, I think they were going to be competitive this year because I, I think Chet would have been able to at least give them 25 to 28 minutes right away. There's some other teams, like we didn't mention Orlando might be a possible. They, they might just be a year away, but I think they have so much talent offensively. It's hard for me to believe they're going to stink. And then, you know, there's always one random team that we didn't expect, right? Mm -hmm. There's a team that goes south for either because of an injury or the mix isn't right. I got to say, I think the Lakers, and every time I'm critical of the Lakers at all, people go, people just assume it's because I can't stay in the Lakers, which is true. I can't stay in the Lakers. But the variable with them of if everybody's healthy, what are they? And we did this the other day on the pod. They're, they're either a seven, eight or a nine seed, best case scenario. But then you throw in the injury factor with Davis and the age injury factor with LeBron. The floor for them, I think, is lower than people realize, right? And it, to me, that's like kind of, and it's not like they could tank. I don't, I don't think they have their pick. But that's like the one other team I would worry about from a from a being way worse than maybe people would think standpoint. Yeah, they they are an AD injury away from being in that kind of play in mix in the final third of the season. Where or we're below not, the play in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like the 11 to 13 mix, which this, is where you don't want to be. Like, so, so the second this Beverly trade went down, you know, yeah. my initial reaction is there's got to be a deal 
close for Westbrook. Like you can't put for for basketball and personality reasons, you can't put Beverly and Westbrook together. I mean, can you imagine? Forget the fact they hate each other, but you put them on the floor together. Like you play yeah, the biggest, the greatest shell defense in the history of basketball. You're going back to like the the fifties and sixties with the kind of defense you're playing when those two are, are out there. So I, I, and the only option I can think of is Indiana and, and some combination of healed and miles Turner uh, in exchange for Russ and the two first round draft picks. And if you're LA, don't you have to do that right now? Like, isn't it you've, you've tried not that Taylor Horton Tucker had any bright future anymore. He clearly took a step back last year, but you trade away Horton Tucker. Um, you take on Beverly He's a win now type of guy that you're bringing in. LeBron extends for a year. Don't Beverly has to? a lot of playing experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you at know, least he's he proven playing veteran. At least he tries. <laughs> at least he's, you know, he 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 upgrades your defense, and that was a big problem. For them sure, it's thirty four. Yeah, but like you gotta. But I, I just look at this team saying like, look, if, if you got to give up your two first to get healed and Miles Turner, now you got to do it. You just got to do it. Push all your chips in, and I'll be honest. I like healed a lot with this mix because what shooter has ever not thrived playing opposite LeBron James? They just all have over the course yep. of his career. Miles Turner, not the physical banger that AD's used to playing with, but he can play the five and that's going to make AD happy and he can space the floor a little bit. Neither one of these players are perfect, but they seem to make sense for how the Lakers are going to want to play this year. Suddenly your shooting issues aren't quite so glaring. Suddenly Patrick Beverly's offensive issues aren't quite so glaring. I just looked at that trade and beyond like the obligatory Twitter jokes you have to make about Bev and Russ playing together, it's just now you got to do it. Whatever it takes to get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner off of Indiana, even if it means both firsts at the end of this decade, to me, you got to do it. Counter. Why does Indiana have to do it? Because I, I think the Laker fans are trying to will this trade to happen, right? If Westbrook, who even within the last year of his contract is still $47 million and the last 12 years of NBA history tells us if you're trying to dump a contract of that magnitude, you either have to buy it out like Houston did with John Wall or you have to give somebody picks just to take the contract off your hands. Miles mm -hmm. Turner's worth the first round pick on his own. He's making, I think, 18 million bucks. If they took him into December, they could shop him around and they would get a first round pick for him. Same thing for Buddy Heald. He's at like 20 million bucks, something like that, 23 if they were j just trying to shop him for an expiring and a first, they could do that now. They could do that in December. So the part I don't get, unless you love those Laker picks, unless you're saying, um, I just think this franchise, this organization under this owner is completely incompetent. LeBron gave them a life raft when he just wanted to live in LA and sign with them. But other than that, you look at from like 2013 on, and this franchise over and over again has just made the wrong choice. Even the Davis trade, the amount of assets they gave up for him, probably didn't have to give up that much. Everything else they've done is just completely haphazard. We want to buy in on those picks in 27, 29. If I was Indiana, I, I, I just wouldn't want Westbrook. I would pursue, I would either split those assets up. I wouldn't be crazy about trading Heald because for what you said, I think he's, I think shooting is more valuable than ever for all the obvious reasons, but pretty relatively cheap, movable contract. He's produced. And I just wouldn't be fired up to take Westbrook off the Lakers' hands. I would I would even want more than the... I would want two unprotected, maybe something else. But what you said, I think, was the important point. Clearly, something's going on with the Lakers because LeBron extends, right? And then it does take a rocket scientist to 
put two and two together with like he extends quickly. They trade for Patrick Beverly, who's a win now guy. And now Westbrook's the next piece. And if you're trying to drive Westbrook out or get him to con- eat, worst case scenario, take a buyout, bring in the guy that he's feuded with the most for the last 10 years. That's a start. I just don't think they can buy him out because he's the last trade asset they have. They, they can't to buy, buy him, him out. out. What are you going to do? No, you, you can't buy him out. Um, if you're Indiana, you do. You just wave him if that's what it comes to. If you get yeah, what like you, what Houston did with John Wall. Yeah, if, if you get what you want in the Westbrook trade, whether it's the two first plus swap rights to something else, I don't know, whatever asset you can extract from them, once you get that, you just cut Westbrook. And then we start a different conversation about who the hell would actually sign him um, on a new deal. Um, the, the motivation for Indiana, to me, it's pretty simple. You're never, ever, 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 ever going to get a player the caliber of Victor Wembayama to Indiana. Like, you're never going to do it. Um, it's bottoming so out. So you just have to bottom out. You have to make this trade as fast as possible before the season starts. Yeah. You, you have Halliburton on a rookie deal. You can sign him down the line. You already moved off Brogdon, which was a competitive piece for a bunch of spare parts. You're just all in. You're, you're whatever the... Well, how about the Halliburton thing they said about, we think he's our Reggie Miller. Great. Like, that was... I like Halliburton. I think I'm probably in the, at least the front row or maybe the closest back seat in the Halliburton bandwagon. But Reggie you, Miller, me, I was like, Jesus. Let me ask you this. 20, like, 20 years of Reggie Miller. The, the Halliburton love intrigues me. Just, I mean, look, I, I think there's a lot of people, and I'm not saying you, but a lot of people that loved Halliburton that watched like three Sacramento Kings games over the years and were like... yeah. Oh my God, this guy's great. And just crushed the King's front office for doing the deal that brought back Sabonis. I kind of like Fox and Sabonis, not to talk about the Kings here, but I, yeah. to me, the Kings are a sneaky getting that play in mix, maybe even the last playoff spot team this year. Fox and, and Sabonis stay healthy during the Agreed. year. I mean, Hall- Halliburton's fine, but it's like, I, I don't, I'm not ready to anoint him as any kind of, even a consistent all-star. I'm not ready to go there yet. I thought it was a very fair trade. I think the frustrating thing, if I'm a Kings fan, is I just think Hal Burton had slightly more value than Sabonis. So to put in Hal Burton with Heald for Sabonis, to me, that trade seemed a little lopsided. But I'm with you. Fox got unleashed by that trade. He was a different guy. And they were actually kind of fun to watch down the stretch. And, you know, that's a team when people talk about the Lakers, they have to be, you know, they're they're definitely a playoff team. and, And the counter is like, are we sure? Like LeBron's missed 20 plus games last three seasons. Davis is not exactly the picture of health. He's not Carl Malone. And Sacramento is going to be better. There's a couple teams that are just unequivocally going to be better. On the Indiana thing, um, if that trade did happen, you ask like what happens to Westbrook. I think he's out of the league. And I, I don't say that. I'm not saying that in like the Skip Bayless way. I just think like he's the rare kind of guy where if you're, if you're a tanking team or a lottery team, why would you bring him in? He's All he's going to do is is try to play 40 minutes a game and put up stats and make you more competitive. If you're a playoff team, I don't know. A, I, I can't think of a playoff team that he would be additive to. He's not going to want to come off the bench. He doesn't play defense. He's not really a good shooter. And it's over and over again, we've seen the best possible scenario for him are like these seven, eight, nine seeds where he plays 40 minutes a game, none of those teams are going to want him. So I do think there's, like, if that Indiana trade happens and he gets bought out, that might be it for him. Yeah, and if you recall the statement that Thad Fouché, his former agent, put out there, like, he was all but saying, like, you can't, you got to find a way to make it work in L.A. because he knows 
what the rest of the league knows, that it's a hard sell to bring yeah. in Russell Westbrook to your team. And when you think about Westbrook's post this contract future, you start to think about like, who are his allies out there? Who are, where are the landing spots? And like Charlotte mm -hmm. at one point, you could say maybe because of Jordan, the Jordan brand, all that connected to Westbrook, but they're not looking for someone to take the ball out of LaMelo Ball's hands. Like they want no. like the Ish Smith types, the Isaiah Thomas types who will come off the bench and be happy with 10 to 15 minute stints, you know, every other game that you're giving him. The Knicks, that ship has sailed with Jalen Brunson. You're not putting him on that team. And after that, I mean, I've thought about this question for for months now, and, and I can't think of one that makes any sense. I mean, if you like to your point, if you are a tanking team, Westbrook is still kind of capable of like winning you like five more games if you put him into the the lineup, because if you give him the ball, he'll be high volume produced and he'll sneak out three or four wins. And why would you want to do that? Like, what is the upside for you long term to adding him to the mix? He, he just hasn't made that role player turn. And without the benefit of maybe doing it this year with the Lakers, which I don't think he was going to do, but at least open the door for that. It doesn't he doesn't bring a lot of value to any type of team. So. The parallel, it's weird, it's probably Iverson in the late 2000s. When Iverson hit that point of his career where he wasn't like Iverson anymore, but was probably still an asset if he was willing to accept, I have to basically change in my head who I am. And he just couldn't do it. And he had a really unhappy time in Detroit, an un unhappy time in Memphis. I think he played six games with Philly and he was out of the league. There were other reasons for that. Obviously, he didn't take care of himself off the court. But I do think that like that's sometimes guys can only be one thing. And even Wade, you saw Wade near the end. He really struggled, had to move into a different phase of his career. And then in that w one last Miami season, he kind of finally figured it out. I don't see it with Westbrook. Um, let's take a quick break. And I have a, I want to talk Celtics and then boxing with you quick. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside LDA 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system. Comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service and home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right, coming back. So 
the KD thing's over and people out there are still saying the Celtics offered Jalen Brown, Derek White in a first. Like that was the best offer. I think Sham said this on some radio station. In general, I think there was a feeling that that offer was extended by the Celtics. I'm not confident that they made any offer. And I didn't know what what you heard. I, and I and I think sometimes when teams talk, you can kind of talk around each other a little bit. And maybe you're talking names. What would it take? And if somebody says, you know, we need this, I was like, whoa, that, you know. But do you think they actually made an offer for Kevin Durant? Because I do not. I don't know. So I've I poked around this a little bit. And I don't know that there was, you know, an email or a text message, which is how a lot of this happens when you do make formal offers between Sean Marks and Brad Stevens or Mike Zarin and Matt Ricciardi, who was over in Brooklyn at the time. I don't know that that actually happened at the same time. I don't know that it matters, right? Like if you engage, if you're the Celtics and you are seriously engaging the Nets on a Kevin Durant deal and you know, and everyone knows that Jason Tatum is off the table then you're talking about Jalen Brown. So it's kind of some. But that's my question. Did they seriously engage? Because I don't think they did. I, I think they the deal that was proposed or was put out there as a Celtics offer, whether or not it was formally offered, if Brooklyn came back to Boston and said, let's do this, to me, Boston would have done it. Like, I, I think they would have made that deal to pair Durant and Tatum together over the long term. I don't think they were ever going to go Marcus Smart. I'm even skeptical they'd be willing to throw in a Grant Williams into the deal. I think they were just going to say, look, we're going to, and not not to call Jalen Brown a low ball offer, but we're going to make a bare minimum type of offer that will be considered. And then we're going to sit on it, you know, for forever. And again, I don't know that it matters if it was as specific as Shams has reported, but if you're talking Kevin Durant and you're not talking Tatum, you're talking Jalen Brown and both sides uh, very much know that. So. So in your favor for that argument would be Stevens finally gave an interview about it and he didn't 100% deny that that, that Jalen was being bounced around. We also, I think there was a piece with the owner, with Wick, with the fact that they courted Durant six years ago and he didn't come. Then he went to Golden State. Who owns Golden State? Joe Lacob, Wick's former minority partner. Then there, I think, you know, there were real rumors that the Warriors were at least kind of lingering around this Durant thing. They can deny it now, but I, I think Lacob was very intrigued by uh, by a reunion and the possibility of a dynasty. So the Celtics know that. I think a lot of this was just driven by the two owners. I don't think, if you go through the organization, like, should we trade for Kevin Durant? I don't think the Celtics organization would have said yes and I, for what the cost was. And I don't think the Warriors organization would have said yes either. For what it would have cost, for the fact that he's 34, some of his previous stops, I, I just, I the, the part that concerns me is that the Celtics didn't come out in a real way and say Jalen wasn't on the table because it just feels like we're leading, to, leading toward him leaving two years from now because they can't extend his contract to a certain point. The media rights deal is coming. He's going to make way more three years from now. And it just feels like this is heading toward a two-year window with him. And I don't see any other way to look at it. I don't either. Um, I think that's a legitimate concern within the Celtics about what Jalen Brown will do as an unrestricted free agent. Will he? I mean, there are two ways to 
two things to be concerned about. One is, does Jalen want a bigger role? Like Jalen, you know, has been an excellent team guy the last couple yes. of years. But I'm sure that Jalen believes that he can be Jason Tatum, or at least on some level, be close to what Tatum is doing. Or he started the season, like, coming off the COVID couch and dropped, like, 50 on the Knicks. Like, he's he's got that ability. Um, and the other part of it is, you know, the money and say, I want full max over four or five years. And I, I got to believe, and I don't know the landscape right now in 2024, but I got to believe there'll be somebody out there willing to give a 26, 27-year-old Jalen Brown a four-year max. That's not a huge risk in today's NBA. It's just not. So Yeah, but if we, if we were his agents, we would tell him to try to roll it over to the summer of 2025 when the cap spikes. Yeah, like I'm sure. Yeah, he, however they want to do it. Like, oh, look, I'm just the, the max that summer might be 65 million bucks a year. So he's making 25 now. We're rapidly approaching the the day the when, apocalypse. No, a million dollar a year players. We're getting there. Like in the next what five years? Or so there'll be million dollar a year players, 82 million uh, per season guys. I, I'm just saying, like I don't. <laughs> Jalen's not taking a hometown discount to stay in Boston. That's for sure. And if he believes that he could thrive in a bigger role, um, he might head a, a another direction. I think that's a legitimate concern. That's partially what may have motivated the Celtics to engage the Nets on this Durant deal. I don't even think it's partial. I think there's a real fear that two years from now, either he'll do want to do a one-year extension and try to time it for the media rights thing, or he'll just leave. But, you know, it's interesting that these teams get handicapped by making smart deals with players, right? For under the max. It's actually like, like in a weird way, short term, it's great. But long term, it really does. I think that's the biggest reason why the Spurs traded Murray. Mm. And there's probably going to be more guys down the road. And then on the flip side, you have a situation like Washington with Beal, where they're kind of stuck and they just have to give him $250 million, even though he's not a $250 million player. So I'm sure they're going to hash all this out in the next cap thing, but I do think it's a real fear for the Celts. It is. And it, look, and now now we start talking about Boston and what they are. Like, what I have, it's not the same thing, but I have some kind of deja vu of 2018 where you know, it was, alright, here comes Kyrie Irving back. Here comes Gordon Hayward back. Remember, we put them on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like they're here they are. They're the one of the teams to beat in the Eastern Conference. Now, it's not quite the same because Irving and Hayward yeah. stepped back into a team that was, you know, that went to a conference finals and it, there was a real split in kind of where guys were in their careers. But this is a team with a lot of guys that want to play. And I, I, I'm sure that when the season starts, everybody will be singing Kumbaya. They'll be saying, look, Malcolm Brogdon will say, I'm happy being a role player behind Marcus Smart. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, sure, I'll be Al Horford insurance for 25 games during the season. But these are guys, all of them, the, guy, the, the incumbents and the incoming guys that are used to playing significant roles. And the juggling act that Ime Udoka is going to have to do is going to be really interesting to watch, especially as we get into December and January when, you know, all the good vibrations from, you know, September, October are gone. That to me is the most fascinating part of this team now with Durant uh, off the table. They need to take care of the Grant Williams contract before the season starts, which I, I think I'm pretty optimistic they will. The big thing for me is is Horford. And how realistic is it to get anything close to what he did last season again? 
to get a 100-game Al Horford season where he's playing for eight straight months and you're relying on him the way you did in those last couple playoff rounds, especially against Milwaukee, who they're going to have to go through. Um, he's a year older. He had had a year off before last season. So now, now he's got all the miles from last season, all the miles from his career. And that's the one thing, like big picture. I'm okay. Like I, the team they put together, Brogdon coming off the bench, I'm actually okay. I, I think he gets it. He's done it before. And I, I think he understands the opportunity. I think they're a guy short. I don't trust Horford and I don't trust the Time Lord being able to stay in the court. We just haven't seen it. Every year, He something's happened. So that's what worries me is like, I'm just thinking Milwaukee. I'm thinking Milwaukee, whether it's, it, it could be early May, it could be late May. I don't know when we're going to see him, but we're going to see him and we're going to see Giannis with a huge fucking chip on his shoulder. And do we have enough guys to play that team? I disagree with that. Um, Milwaukee would be at, the top of my kind of conference power rankings right now. I'm not as concerned about Horford as you are for a couple of reasons. One, I, I do think that year in Oklahoma City, you know, he kind of learned some things about taking care of his body. He's mm. he's changed some some of his habits, uh, physical, you know, workout habits that have helped him maintain where he is right now. I also, I, I'd peg him at 60, 65 games during the year. I mean, he's he's going to get a lot of rest. I mean, that was the reason Gallinari was brought in. Like just basically to drop him into the rotation as Horford light and give Al even mm. more time off. What you're saying is is a legitimate concern the Celtics have. Uh, I just think they're going to to ease him throughout this regular season. Then you get to the playoffs. You're you start off, you know, three games off in between games. I it's less concerning if you can get him to the playoffs at close to full strength. Um, th that to well me now they concerned. know now they know home court doesn't matter since it didn't matter for them at all last year. Like, whatever, be a four seed, five seed. We've lost our home court. Um, so you have Milwaukee at the top, right? Right, right now. now. I did too. Right yeah. now. I'm curious to see what James Harden looks like when he comes back. I hate looking at social media clips, but he looks like he's working. He looks like he might have slimmed down a little bit. Like, you know, that, that's a dangerous team if Harden is is close to what he was during that first year in Brooklyn than what he was all of last season. Agree. All right, before we go, Anthony Joshua. So Raheem Palmer from The Ringer and I, we were talking about this. It was like, who's the most disappointing 21st century boxer for what the talent was? And Raheem said for him, it was Zab Judah. He was just always disappointed how that played out. Joshua, when you think about where he was five years ago, total package, really seemed like had a chance to have a special career. Now you look at him in 2022, loses twice to Usyk. I, comes back in the ring, has like one of the weirdest uh, post-fight things we've seen in a while that I did not uh, did not look great for him long-term. Um, and in general, like I bet on Usyk, I, I just, I don't believe in Joshua. I just feel like it give me more chances to bet against this guy. Uh, Raheem and I were talking about it. Who is his doppelganger? We were saying like, he's basically Dwight Howard. He's he's Dwight Howard for um, for boxing, where everything's there, but something's missing. What's missing with him? Well, it, it's not what's missing as much as it's what left him back in 2017. It, you know, people point to the Andy Ruiz fight as being the fight that changed Anthony Joshua. It happened before that. Vladimir Klitschko changed Anthony Joshua. Mm. That was his defining moment. He won the World Heavyweight Championship. He dethroned 
the best heavyweight of the previous generation. That was a true changing of the guard moment at Wembley Stadium in front of 85, 90,000 people. But yeah. how that fight ended has haunted Anthony Joshua throughout. Vladimir got knocked out. But before then, he put Joshua down and he hurt Joshua. That and fight Joshua, was awesome. Joshua, as he has done in fights before then, including Dillian White, which was his statement win prior to that, um, he engaged. He got up, he engaged, he battled, and he scored a knockout. But he quite literally left that fight and told people around him, I don't want to fight like that anymore. I'm not going to have a long career if I fight like that anymore. That's the day or the fight that took away the killer instinct that Anthony Joshua had. You look at the numbers, Bill, the sheer numbers. I was doing, when I, before the call of the, the, the Usyk fight, I was looking at the, the raw numbers. He went from being like a 60-40 power puncher up to Klitschko to being like 65-35 jabs after that. He tried to become more boxer than brawler. And when yeah. he was given opportunities to engage, he didn't take them. I mean, look, you go back to the ninth round of the Usyk fight. There were a couple of times there I thought even as great as Joshua fought, he let Usyk off the hook. If he had just swarmed him and thrown punches and let his hands go, I thought he could have found a way to at least put Usyk on the canvas and maybe staved off what happened in the 10th round uh, of that fight. I just don't think he has that killer instinct that he had prior to Klitschko. Now, you say you, I, I don't really agree with him being disappointing because at the very least, the fucking guy's out there fighting people. Like, I'm so sick of all these Fair. boxers out there declaring themselves Hall of Famers. I've got... I'm a two-division world champion. I'm a four-division world champion. I belong in the Hall of Fame. Anthony Joshua fights tough fight after tough fight every single time out. He had the option before fighting Usyk the first time of just dropping that belt. He would have had two other belts. He wouldn't have to go in with a guy that just won two fights earlier, the undisputed cruiserweight championship, and knocked out his pal Tony Bellew. He could have dropped it. He could have passed on the rematch and taken an easier fight and still made a boatload of money fighting Tyson Fury. At least he was he's out there doing it. I mean, today's this goes down a rabbit hole, but today's boxers don't fight. They don't take on the toughest competition. You can't say that about Anthony Joshua, who in my mind still, even with these losses, has the deepest resume of any heavyweight in boxing. That was I didn't think that was possible. An Anthony Joshua defense. That was incredible. The degree of difficulty was like a 9.8. You pulled it off. And look, because I keep going back to like, I mean, Ali had five losses in his career. Anthony Joshua right now has three. I'm not comparing the two as far as fighters goes, but you're telling me that if he goes out there, which he's going to, and knocks out a couple stumble bums on the European circuit, he's not going to be right back up there next summer in the conversation for a fight with Deontay Wilder, in the conversation for a fight against Tyson Fury. He's 32 years old. I, I think can't the wait. pathway back is still there for Anthony Joshua. The pathway is back for me to bet against him again, the way what you just laid out. A couple tomatoes <laughs> and then one more big fight. Wilder is a good example, though. What does Wilder have left at this point? I mean, he took a lot of he took a lot of hits. We're going to learn a lot. He's fighting Robert Hellenius in October. We're going to learn a lot about Wilder in that fight. Hellenius is is this close to washed. Like he's still credible because he knocked out Adam Kovnowski twice in the last two years, which makes him a legitimate opponent for Deontay Wilder. But Deontay Wilder, even at 80% of what he was, should flatten Hellenius. But Hellenius can crack. He's six foot seven. Yeah. He's a big guy. He can throw bombs. And if he catches Wilder and Wilder doesn't have the passion, that's what worries me about Wilder. Like you can't, 
just decide to get back into boxing because you like it and you want to make some money and people still want to see you. You got to want it. You got to be be hard after it. I remember, you know, the reason Tyson was finished at the very end wasn't just because of his age and eroding skills. He didn't want it anymore. He was just out there yeah. collecting paychecks at the very end. That's what worries me about Deontay Wilder, where that fire in the belly that got him through the Olympics, through all those early tests, through Fury for the fir- in the first fight, in two great, great fights against Fury in the last time of it. I wonder if he still has that, that passion for the sport. Is Usyk a generational guy for you, or is he one level below? He's one level below right now, but if he can find a way to beat Tyson Fury, he's up there. Like, he becomes the greatest fighter of this generation. I mean, the Cruiserweight tournament, nobody knows who these Cruiserweights are, but they were great fighters. Like, Cruiserweight division is a way station for boxing. It's where you stop in on your way to heavyweight. But that Cruiserweight tournament, he ran through some good, good guys, from Marco Huck to Maurice Breedis, all throughout that tournament. And he turns around and just flattens Tony Bellew right after Tony Bellew flattened David Hay in back-to-back fights. So he's, you know, I think he needs one or two more wins at heavyweight to put himself in that Mayweather, Pacquiao, you know, De La Hoya category uh, of the great fighters of this generation. There's a little Hopkins feel to him where it's, you just don't know how he keeps doing it. There's times in every fight where it feels like he's in trouble for 20 seconds. But there's some sort of boxing savvy, some natural DNA for what to do when the chips are down a little bit that I think what that's what makes him special to me. Like that ninth round, it looked like he was going to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. And part of it was Joshua not totally realized the moment. But then the 10th round, Usyk comes back and it, it's he honestly, it's like he gained strength from from like, you know, kind of staring at death's door for a second there. And, he, and she's better the next round. I, w- I would love to see him fight Tyson Fury. Yeah. I mean, would he be outweighed by what? 60 oh. pounds? He came 65 in. 65 pounds? He came in around 220 for this last fight. Fury, I would imagine, is in the 270s. So 50 Right, so 50 pounds. pounds. Oh my God. But don't, look, I would favor Fury in that fight significantly because Fury fights like a true big man. One of the only guys yeah. in boxing that fights like a big man. You watch back his fights. How he drains you is every time there's a clinch, he puts that 6'9", 270-pound frame right on your shoulders, parks it there, and leans on yeah. it. So you're holding up your weight, and you're holding up his weight for four or five seconds, three times around. That wears right. on you over the course of a fight, and he'll do the exact same thing to Alexander Usyk, but Usyk's going to have a game plan, man. Like, he is going to have an excellent game plan, and he is going to make that a competitive fight. That guy is that talented. He is going to find a way to to make you think during that fight that he's got a chance to win it. Yeah, 2022 has been like a C-minus, D-plus boxing year so far, but I think 23 could be amazing. There's a lot of stuff. We're heading toward a lot of fights that like I'm stopping everything to see, basically. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. All right, Mannix, we can, uh, we can hear your podcast in the volume. Sports Illustrated. Occasional zone. Sometimes you're on location. Other times you <laughs> might be pretending to be in location. But uh, you're a busy man. I always appreciate when you uh, when you find the time for us. You got it, man. Anytime. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Schrager and Manex. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. We will be back on Sunday with yet another Bill Simmons podcast. See you then. Yeah.
This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. 